Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. All right, Chris Mannix, Howard Beck here, Crossover Podcast. Glad you could join us on this holiday week. Uh, A little unconventional this week. We're recording this on Tuesday, so we want to answer some of your questions going into the holiday. The NBA season kicks off Tuesday night, or kicked off Tuesday night, I should say. Uh, The season starts in earnest, really, on Christmas Day. The NBA, once again, owning that holiday. Uh, Howard, before we get to the questions, um, are... The, this this start being right around the 22nd, you know, them pushing to start on, you know, early, late December to get through a 72-game schedule, uh, you know, rushing it to a degree, you know, a couple months after the bubble ended. Uh, how do you feel about all that? Do you think it's the right, it was the right decision by the NBA to start the season off as quickly as they did? Chris, I think it was the right decision, but with, like, obvious caveats, Yeah, ideally, you would not want to restart the season when COVID is at its absolute peak in the U.S. and we're going between two and 3,000 deaths a day. Like, just with regard to the pandemic, it doesn't feel right. It didn't feel right when they did the bubble either. But, you know, life goes on, business goes on, and everybody has to try to figure out their best way to navigate through all this. So, like, there's no good time to restart. Like, the the first answer, I guess, is there is no good time to, to start up again. No ideal time, not until this thing is over, but you can't wait. As a as it regards the 22nd versus MLK day or any other options that might've been on the table. Okay. You could have bought yourself more time. You could have given more time for the Lakers and heat and other teams that made deep playoff runs to recover. Um, 
you could have, uh, you know, tried to configure things differently, I suppose. I just think that it is important to try to get something that resembles a legit season. And if it's not 82, then okay, 72 still feels pretty legit. It's about where they, what they played this past season. It's more than the 66-game lockout season from 2011-12. It's more than the 50-game lockout season from, you know, 99. It's, and, and the only way to do that and not have back-to-back-to-backs and cram the schedule and have it feel really rushed or have it go in all the way through next summer is to get it going now. So there's the financial reasons, the $500 million that's been talked about that they get by starting now versus a month from now. There's the length of the season. And then there's just, to me, what's I think the most important part, Chris, is that sometime soon-ish, middle of this next calendar year, the world hopefully is back to normal and the NBA wants to get back to normal. And normal means you have training camps starting late September, early October, and the season starting mid-October and ending in late June. Like that's mid to late June. That's, that's the NBA season. We know it's clearly what they want to get back to the whole idea of like, Oh, they'll do a permanent schedule shift and they'll own the summer block. No, I don't think it was ever that seriously discussed in the first place. And it certainly, I think fell on its face or the case for it did once you saw the ratings in the summer. So they want to get back to normal and they got to get this season going and play as many games as they can so that it finishes at a decent time so that we can back can get back as close to possible next fall to a normal NBA season. Yeah, I was one of the people, you know, making the case for summer basketball before uh, they actually played it. Um, I still think there's probably more viability to it than what was shown during the pandemic because of all the reasons that uh, that come with the pandemic. But you're right. I think that's permanently on the shelf, or at least for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't think we'll be seeing a, a argument for summer basketball uh, anytime soon. Let me ask you one other question before I get to uh, our listener mailbag. Uh, Adam Silver had his conference call uh, this week. You and I were both on that call. About 75 minutes addressed a lot of different issues uh, uh, with the media. Anything he said that struck you, you know, especially so during that call? I mean, he covered the basic topics. He talked yeah. about how, you know, look, we're not going to jump the line for the vaccine. We understand that there are going to be positive tests along the way. We're just going to try to adapt every step of the way. Uh, he talked about the fact that you know, maybe marijuana testing might be gone for good. It's certainly gone for this season. He talked a little bit about expansion. Uh, any big takeaways from Adam Silver's conference call? First of all, right off the top, just kudos to Adam and the NBA for uh, making him available for as long as he was yesterday. It's been a, a, a really tough year for the league and for Adam in particular. Obviously, this has been every everything about the year has been unprecedented and everything that they've had to do has been hyper scrutinized even more so than it would be in normal times. And all of these decisions are made with uh, with great risk and uh, potential consequences and just it's it's. It's been a tough go. So for Adam to, to spend as long as he did was great. Um, these calls have often been a bit shorter, and I've been um, one who thought that uh, he needed to be available a little bit more. So I'm very happy to see uh, him him kind of just let the conversation roll yesterday. So thank you, Adam. Um, I don't think like the the one thing I think that got people a little titillated yesterday was the idea that he left the door open on expansion in a way that at least rhetorically he hasn't. In the last several years, it's always been it's not on the table, and now it was, well, you know, there's a possibility. Like, he, he left, he left just, and I don't know if he did it intentionally or not, but he got everybody all excited about it. Chris, I'm not excited about it. Like, we could go for an hour on this alone, and I won't. But 
the NBA should not be expanding. I as want to see a team back in Seattle as much as anybody. Well, maybe not as much as the Sonics fans, um, but I, we all love Seattle. We all loved going to Seattle. Seattle's a great NBA city. They deserve to have a team. They should have never lost the Sonics. All that is stipulated. And I don't know that there's any team on the horizon to move there. Um, but I don't think the NBA should expand, Chris. And the, and the, re, the rationale is, is, is simplified like this. Um, take, take the 30 worst players in the NBA, because the ex- expansion goes by expansion draft. You have to protect a certain number of guys, and then they jury draft. Take the 30, the, the 30 worst guys and now make them on two different teams. Th- that's what you're getting, folks. Like, I know we think there's this limitless pool of talent, and the, the international game has never been bigger, yada, yada, yada. There are still a lot of like eh players in the NBA, and 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 look no further than every time like you know I think the SI rankings we only go 100 deep right but like look at ESPN rank when they rank all 450 480 500 players whatever look at the bottom 30 and tell me you couldn't or look at look at everybody from 400 through wherever tell me you couldn't lose them tomorrow and no disrespect to those players they're you know fine people you would not miss them but that's what we're looking at. If you add two teams, that's 30 more players. We already have a dilution of talent, Chris. And especially in this, in, in, like the super team era has kind of ebbed. But think about where we were for the last 12 years before the super team era kind of uh, went back, back to more of a, a big two era. If there are three stars on one team, that means there are that many teams that have zero stars. Now add two more teams in the mix. So, yeah, you could have a lot of like good, solid NBA players. But if you want teams that are interesting – and then have an identifiable franchise guy who carries them, but there are two and three guys teaming up here and there, there just aren't enough to go around. So, uh, you know, people can start speculating about where they'd go, Mexico City, Nashville, Mm -hmm. Louisville, wherever. I'm not interested. I don't want to see 30 more players in the NBA. And I just, I like, just from a pure basketball level, I know there's a business consideration. I just don't see it, Chris. I don't, I don't see how that benefits the league or the game. Yeah, I think there are viable markets for the NBA to put teams in, led by Seattle. I think Las Vegas has proven that it's a professional sports market with the success of the hockey team and of the NFL, at least short-term out there. Uh, Mexico City, you point out, I'm always intrigued by just because of the population of Mexico City and certainly Mexico in general. You could grow your fan base significantly by putting a team down there, though I have my questions about who the hell would want to play down there. I mean, that's a, a separate story altogether. Uh, but the only way you go to these markets, in my opinion, is if relocation becomes an option. If teams like, and you know, look, don't at me fans of these teams, but you know, New Orleans is always kind of on the table as a potential team that could be on the move. We've heard Memphis uh, before. I mean, Minnesota's up for sale, though it seems more likely than not the new owner is going to have to commit to keeping the team uh, in the Twin Cities. Um, so like that relocation, Howard, is is what is the only way these markets make any sense. I mean, adding 30 more players, they're just, I, I completely agree with you. There aren't 30 more NBA-level players out there. I mean, you don't even have enough elite players to fill out rosters right now. So I think diluting the product even more it's just a bad idea. Well, think of it, think of it this way. I think I, I might have made this crack on our last pod or uh, some sometime recently somewhere. Like, if you combine Charlotte and Orlando, do you have a playoff team? 
If you combine Detroit and Cleveland, do you have a playoff team? Like, that's what I'm saying. And it's not to pick on these teams. Any given time, there's going to be a couple of teams that are just, you know, nowhere. But that's where the talent level or that's the talent dilution we already have. You can combine any two of the bad teams and they're still not that good or that interesting necessarily. And so and now you want to dilute it further. I I, I just I don't see it. I hope they never do it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm. It was interesting to hear him open the door a little bit for expansion, which we haven't heard uh, Adam Silver do before. But, man, I, I, I'm with you. I hope it doesn't uh, doesn't happen for sure. All right, let's go to some questions uh, from uh, people on social media. We'll start with Isaac Benjamin, who says, Now that the Giannis sweepstakes have fizzled, what moves can the Mavs make in the next 18 months to be a bona fide contender? Howard, I think the Mavericks were one of the teams that certainly were impacted by Giannis's decision not to uh, enter free agency next summer. That was someone uh, that they were targeting. And I, I got to admit, at times I was intrigued, to say the least, by the idea of like the all-international team down in Dallas, you know, with uh, Luca and Porzingis and Giannis uh, on that team. But now the Mavericks are looking at, you know, a team with two stars, one that is oft injured in the case of Porzingis. Uh, what do you think there is out there for Dallas to do? Yeah, I mean, listen, first off, I'm never going to argue that a team shouldn't uh, get a, a two-time MVP if they can, but of the teams that were most connected uh, by by the rumor mill to Giannis, Dallas felt like the the most forced of them all. Like, Luka and Giannis were two of the top 10, top six maybe usage guys last season. They both are best with the ball in their hands. I just That, that always presents a bit of a problem, especially when one of them, Giannis, uh, doesn't shoot. Uh, very well. So I'm not sure it would have been the greatest fit. It would have been intriguing, and it doesn't mean the map that, that Dallas shouldn't have gone for it. Um, but now that he's off the table, listen, if, if we could assume Porzingis' health, and that is not a good c- assumption, but if we could assume Porzingis' health, Chris, Luca plus Porzingis plus Carlisle's coaching, squeezing the most out of everybody that he gets – whether it's Tim Hardaway Jr. or now Josh Richardson there or the Dwight Powells or, you know, Seth Curry before they moved off uh, of him. Like, they just, Dorian Finney-Smith, like, they get they get guys and they get the most out of them. And if we're now in a pause in the super team era, if there's no big threes, that's a pretty good big two to start with. And if you get the right role guys around them, I'm not saying that you're on a par with LeBron and Anthony Davis and their supporting cast, but I am saying you will, you'll now have a window. Luca plus a healthy Porzingis plus Carlisle's coaching and just solid role players gives you a window. And, and I also think about it this way too, Chris, before we get to like, who could they actually add? Okay. I, I know we should never start any uh, discussion of, of LeBron with someday he might not be LeBron anymore. Um, but he's turning 36 in, in, in uh, what, a week, a few days? Um, uh, December 30th. LeBron and I, by the way, Howard, share a birthday. Oh, look at that. Happy- LeBron... Tiger Woods and Chris Mannix. <laughs> Two goats and a... Uh... <laughs> who's, who's the most famous in that group? <laughs> um, so, like, Le- LeBron's... Uh, uh, whatever his window is, is certainly shorter than other stars in the league at the moment, right? So the Lakers have... You know, they've got some urgency here. Um, Kawhi and Paul George, I don't know how long that's going to last or, if, or, how, or how far they can go. Look at the other contenders around the league. Um, or, you know, go, go out east. Jimmy Butler's up there in years. Um, the Nets with, you know, obviously a lot of volatility with Katie and Kyrie and, and, you know, Durant looks great right now, but we'll see. 
I just think that when you're a team with as young of a star, a guy who's already MVP caliber and already on MVP ballots as Luca, you've got a really nice long runway. And so I, I think to an extent, Chris, we could talk about who they could add right now, but I also just think that they're going to outlast some of these other teams that are dominating the discussion today, right? We've already seen the Warriors kind of come back to earth and Toronto got their one year run and then Kawhi was gone. Like, you know, life moves pretty quickly in the NBA. The, like Dallas could have just have the path open for them. Um, I don't know. Like I, Oladipo is the next guy. Oladipo and Beal are the guys who feel like the next likely stars to move, but Oladipo has some health concerns and Washington, if they remove off of Beal is, is going to want a boatload in return. And I just don't know if the Mavs have the assets. So I, I don't know what you think, Chris. I, I struggle with how they're going to make that next move. If it's to try to add a third star, like an established star, if it, 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 they don't have a lot in terms of trade. So it almost has to be free agency and they will have 34 million or so in room next summer. Yeah. I, I never saw them as one of the more intriguing trade partners because of what you said. I mean, they've got a great player in Luca who they'll never trade. They've got a strong secondary guy in Porzingis. Uh, and after that, I mean, you go down the list. I mean, I love Bobby, but I'm not, <laughs> you're not getting a lot for him in return. And, there's just not a lot of of high level guys on that roster. Just acquired Josh Richardson, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is okay. I mean, these are Tim Hardaway. These are are decent role players, but nobody teams are salivating over in the trade. There's only so much draft capital you can throw in to make up the difference. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, look, if if a Giannis wanted to sign there, or if another A level guy wanted to sign there, of course you go and try to get him. But the path they're on is pretty good. I mean, I guess it comes down to, like, what do we think Porzingis is moving forward? Like, is he always going to be injury-prone? Is he always going to be a guy that you wonder, all right, how many games are you going to get out of him? Because if he's not injured, I thought they found something last year with him at center. Like, I thought that, you know, made a lot of sense. It took them some time to kind of figure out where to place him. He kind of shifted between spots. But I thought Porzingis, as a five, is downright dangerous. I mean, a three-point shooting big man. I know we're in the era of three-point shooting centers now but like this guy takes it to another level he's like off the dribble three-point shooting uh, at the five position so I-, I like the idea of letting these guys grow organically they're all they're all in their early to mid-20s or both of them I should say in their early to mid-20s I-, I say you don't rush it like don't go out there and make a big deal just to you know try to get to the second round or even the conference finals this year yeah uh, wait and see what's available use your cap space judiciously and and build that way it's not the it's kind of a, a punt of an answer in a way because we're not giving you you know names, but it, yeah, it's also not the not it, the worst idea. But but they also do because they were trying to keep the books open for Giannis. They now have maneuverability next summer, Chris. So maybe that means they're absorbing um, somebody else's is somebody else's player into the into cap room. Maybe somebody's making a dump of some kind. But if that's the case, it's not obviously a current all star or somebody who you really think is pushing you that far forward. I mean, there's there's other creative ways to use the cap room, but just looking at some of the guys who are on pace to be free agents next summer. Spencer Dinwiddie, combo guard, would look really nice next to Luka. Can play on and off the ball, good shooter, um, can create a bit. Like I, Having a, another creator there next to Luka, I think would be great. So I, so I'm not, that's the thing. I, you know, Beal and Oladipo and other all-stars would be the first thing everybody thinks about. Well, if you can't get Giannis, is there another star that could, you could you know, like pry loose? I think if you just get some high-level role, high role guys, you know, a Spencer Dinwiddie type, um, Maybe P.J. Tucker. He certainly is ready to leave Houston um, like yesterday. 
<laughs> um, and that's the kind of, you know, like beefy guard, a bunch of positions guy who would actually be pretty good next to Porzingis so that he's not uh, having to deal with, with uh, some of the bigger centers defensively and, and Tucker can, can guard way above his height, obviously. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, older, older vet, big man, but again, a guy who would, I think be really nice next to Porzingis. So there's some guys who I think are the right fit and, and you, and they're gettable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got 34 million in cap room. Like there's, there's, there are ways for them. That's the thing. The most, one of the most impressive things last season with the Mavericks. And I think, what did they put up? Like the highest offensive rating in history. And they did it with, yeah. with a, a, a transcendent young player, Luca, a sometimes available Porzingis and a bunch of guys. <laughs> There is not a single other player on that roster that you would have thought, oh yeah, that guy is going to be part of one of the greatest offenses of all time. So you don't, Carlisle doesn't need much, but some of the names we just mentioned, those are upgrades and and, the, and those are um, plausible, gettable upgrades. Yeah, I, I like the names you mentioned, specifically Aldridge and Tucker, two guys that would provide some muscle on the inside. I'm going to throw another name at you just out of curiosity. Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson is going to be a free agent next summer. And based on what we saw shooters get this summer, whether it's Davis Bertans or Joe Harris, Duncan Robinson might be a $100 million player. Like, there might be... <laughs> I swear to God, like, am I wrong? Like, there might be somebody not, out there... It's not crazy. It just sounds It's not crazy. crazy. Like, it does. Like, because two years ago, Duncan Robinson was, like, sitting in the low section of, of the Garden in Boston, like, watching Celtics games. Now, he has the potential to be a $100 million player. He was a starter... On a finals team, he's only going to get better. Like, his shooting is just always going to be there, which is his greatest strength. But the rest of his game is probably going to evolve as he gets a little bit older. Like, you know, Dallas, with all that cap space, they could be one of those teams that makes a stupid offer to Duncan Robinson. And, look, you'd probably wonder, like, are we grossly overpaying this guy? But given what they would then have, three guys that are, for their position, lights-out shooters in Luka... Duncan Robinson and Porzingis as a center uh, is a is a pretty good shooter. Uh, I mean that's that's modern NBA baby. Like that's that's a modern NBA type of team. I'd I'd be fascinated to see if they would go in on on a Duncan Robinson next summer. He, he is restricted. We should note, but yeah, there's probably a breaking point there for Miami that they wouldn't match. Yeah. Oh, I I believe it. Like I I think the Mavericks kind of did this to Miami too a few years ago. Remember when they Hassan Whiteside hit free agency? You know, another Miami find. Like there was that. Yeah. Dallas was kind of lurking out there as the team that was willing to offer us on Whiteside a full max level contract with no restrictions. I think Miami at the time, and now we're going way back into the hot tub time machine here, but Miami at the time, I think they wanted to like put a bunch of incentives into Hassan's contract because, well, he's Hassan Whiteside. Uh, but because Dallas was lurking out there with a potential mega offer, they had to give Hassan what they gave him. Uh, this this could be a similar situation where because Dallas is lurking yeah. with a whopper of a contract, Miami would have to pay him $100 billion. Amazing. Teach your kids to shoot, everybody. Teach your <laughs> kids to shoot. They can make a small fortune. All right, let's move on to Jimmy Two Times. Great name there, Jimmy. Uh, Asked, does Jalen Brown make the all-star team this year? I don't want to answer that part of it because I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> how much of the season's success in Boston, though, is dependent on Kemba Walker's knee? Uh, this is the big question, Howard. It's, you know, I think Jason Tatum is going to be in the MVP conversation this year. I think Jalen Brown, I guess I am answering this question, is going to be in the all-star mix this year. But the wild card is Kemba. And this knee issue, that really worries me. I mean, this is an issue that came up in the first couple of months of 2020. 
despite having, what was it, three months off, it was back when Kemba went to the bubble. Now, a few months later, he's going to have to sit out the first month of the season because of the same injury. I mean, if I'm Boston, no matter what they're saying, I'd be terrified of this. This would really scare me that Kemba is is dealing with this knee injury. And like, as much as I like Jalen and Jason, good players, in this conference, they can't compete without a healthy Kemba Walker. Not against Brooklyn, which at least in the preseason looks like we thought they were going to look. I think Milwaukee is once again going to be like a 60-plus win regular season team. You've got Miami still out there, Philadelphia. You need Kemba Walker to have any hope for any material success if you're the Celtics. Yeah. Um, I actually did quickly do like the quick exercise of like, oh, well, could Jalen Brown make the All-Star team? And what I realized was that the first opening on the All-Star team is probably the one being vacated <laughs> by Kemba Walker. That's true. So, um, you know, it was Kemba and Trey were the starting backcourt for the East uh, back in February. Giannis Siakam and Embiid up front. And, and Jalen Brown, just to complete the, the thoughts process here, the thought exercise, Jalen Brown obviously could be going in at either spot, probably guard or forward. They'll probably make him eligible both. Uh, reserves were Lowry, Simmons, Butler, Middleton, Bam, Tatum, and Sabonis. So, like, the only obvious opening is probably the one being vacated by Kemba. But I also looked at, oh, well, Kyrie's healthy. Russell Westbrook's in the East now. Bradley Beal should have already been, um, arguably, and, and is in that mix. So, you know, one of those, one of the four I just named, you know, Jalen Brown, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, or Kyrie is probably replacing Kemba Walker on that all-star roster. So, anyway, for whatever that's worth, there you go there. Um, I, Ken, the Kemba thing is a, is a serious concern. I mean, I was, I was one, Chris, who thought that the last couple of years, I was, I was pretty bullish on the Celtics. Um from Kyrie to the transition to Kemba. And in large part, it was because of this emerging potential big four, you know, big-ish four, right? However you want to rate some of these guys, Gordon Hayward post-injury, Kemba at this stage of his career, whatever it was, and Brown and Tatum emerging, right? But what I really loved about the Celtics, especially last year, was when they were at full strength, you've got four guys who could all do a lot with the ball in their hands, were a bit interchangeable, at least across the three, uh, the three uh, forward, the, th- the three wings, Brown, Tatum, and, and Hayward. Well, Hayward's gone now, and Kemba's on the shelf with, as you point out, an injury that is, is coming up on its, like, one-year anniversary. And, you know, knees are always scary, especially for – small guards who rely a lot on their burst. Like, where does that leave him if it's slowing him down or if it's nagging and is not going away? So I think it's a huge concern because you you go from this, like I say, big-ish four to now, okay, it's the Brown and Tatum show. And Jeff Teague's a nice vet to plug in there. That's fine. Um, there's no real replacement for Gordon Hayward. So they're, they're losing some offensive dynamism, Chris. The good news is, I do think Brown and Tatum are talented enough that they can soak up a lot of those opportunities, right? Like you just increase the usage for those two guys and there's a lot they can get accomplished. But you, you know, over the course of a game, over the course of a season, you do need to spread it around a little bit. And so I, and they don't, it's not like they had like, they were bursting with talent everywhere else. Right. So especially offensive talent and, and guys who can create. So yeah, I, I think it's a serious, serious concern for them. And I think as of right now, you have to downgrade them in the East race, right? I think it's Miami and Milwaukee and Brooklyn are, are the first tier. Miami, by virtue of having won it, won the East. Milwaukee, by virtue of who they are, and they've got Giannis. Brooklyn, by virtue of Katie and Kyrie. And, and then you start talking about, you know, where Philly, Boston, you know, Toronto line up. Yeah, I, I think with 
a healthy Kemba, they're legit. Like, they can get to the finals. They might even be able to win a championship. Without him, uh-uh. I mean, I, I think Tristan Thompson's a good acquisition, gives them the kind of muscle up front that they've been missing since Aaron Baines left a couple of years ago. Uh, but without Kemba, it just doesn't work. I mean, they signed Jeff Teague. We all know what Jeff Teague is at this point. He's a solid backup, but probably nothing more. Marcus Smart's not fit to be the point guard. He's more of a combo guy. Uh, yeah, you need you need Kemba healthy. And right now, you have to have real concerns about when he's going to make it all the way back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's move on to question about Kyle Kuzma. Jimmy asking, with Kuz signing a team-friendly deal with the Lakers, do you think he could be a potential trade ship in case they need another center at the trade deadline? Well, I don't think you trade Kuzma for a center, that's for sure. I think you've... The center position in LA is... I mean, its role is basically to protect Anthony Davis for 38 minutes a game. I mean, you're, you know, whether it's Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, or now Marcus All in that mix, uh, you've just got to be kind of a, bi- a big body that can, you know, do certain things. So I don't think you trade a player like Kuzma for that. But, you know, Kuzma still is interesting. I mean, his new contract has that poison pill restriction. And to quote Bobby Marks here, that for trade purposes, Kuzma's current contract, which is $3.6 million, will count as outgoing salary 
his incoming salary of the acquiring team, meaning what the Lakers take back, the average of the last year of his contract and extension is used, that being $10.9 million. That poison pill makes it more difficult for Kuzma Trey. But I look, I think the Lakers could still potentially explore it. I mean, if there's a player out there that becomes available that makes more sense playing off of LeBron and Anthony Davis, you have to kind of look into it. I mean, Kuzma's a, a terrific scorer, but look, there were times, I mean, I was just not even say times, most of last year, he didn't look comfortable, you know, playing alongside AD and LeBron in the role that he was in. He got more comfortable in the bubble, but was that foreshadowing things to come? Or are we going to see Kuzma go back to being the same player that was a little perplexed about his role. The, the early signs aren't good, Howard. I mean, Kuzma's been out saying publicly, like, I don't know what my role is with this team. Um, so I, I think it's certainly possible we see Kuzma moved uh, even after this new deal. Yeah, it's possible. And, and the, the the deal itself, the poison pill notwithstanding, like the, the number, the years, everything um, makes him a good trade ship and still his age, obviously, too. He is still somebody who's, who's of intrigue. And the problem for the Lakers, once they made the Anthony Davis trade, and perfectly fine problem to have when you win a championship, is that it, he did cost them pretty much all of their assets, all their young players, all their picks. So it, I don't think the Lakers need to make a move, Chris. So, you know, is Kuzma a potential trade ship? Sure. He might be their only trade ship, frankly. There's not a whole lot else on this roster that anybody's going to want to trade for. Um, aside from the two stars. So he, it's nice to have that. And uh, the Lakers have given themselves that, that optionality. At some point, there's an, there is a, a player out there that they need. Somebody goes down. They need to fill a hole. Kuzma's a guy that, they can, that, that, that has market value that they can trade and get something. I'm, I'm with you. They don't need a center. Uh, the, the Marcus All Montrez, Harrell tandem is fine. Anthony Davis is going to soak up a bunch of minutes at center. Um, you know, they're, they've got, you know, LeBron's going to play some fill in center. Like they don't need, um, they don't need anything there. I don't know what their need will be. Like, as I look over the roster right now, Chris, and again, this is to the Lakers credit. I don't see any obvious hole, you know, and I don't see, I also don't see anybody where you think, well, maybe they need, could use an upgrade from, I don't know, KCP or something. Well, is, is, is Kuzma getting you a guy back? Who's an upgrade from KCP? I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Like they're right now, they're good with where they are. We, we've all said it. They won a championship and got better. And there, there's not an, an obvious screaming need right now. And I don't know what Kuzma gets you that makes you um, significantly better. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk about the Jazz for a minute. Luis asks, can the Jazz have a possibility, I guess you meant to say, do the Jazz have a possibility, to win a championship with the pair of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? Or does a Rudy Gobert contract extension cancel that possibility. Rudy Gobert recently signed a $205 million extension, which makes him and Donovan Mitchell officially the cornerstones of that team for the next four years. It's an interesting question, Howard, because I love Donovan Mitchell. I think he's going to get better. I'm not sure how much he's going to get better. Rudy Gobert's at the point that he is what he is, and what he is is really good, arguably the top defensive player in the NBA, but are you going to get more out of him? Is he going to become more of an offensive player as he gets into his 30s. I'm not sure I see that. To me, the Jazz and their ability to compete for a championship is entirely dependent over the next four years on how well they draft. Uh, it, it might seem simplistic, but when you have a team that gets to this point where their cap flexibility is all but gone because they have to pay top-tier players... Uh, it's all about who you draft that middle to late rounds. When you're drafting in the teens 
or in the 20s, can you find that Tony Parker or Pascal Siakam or even Tyler Hero was the mid-round pick yeah. for the Heat this past year? Can you find that guy that can slide into your rotation at a key position? Now, they'll have some flexibility opening up. Mike Conley's contract comes out the books next year, so they can do some things, but... Look, let's be real. Utah's never been a free agent destination. Um, that's for sure. But I just think it comes down to what that front office, which is very good. Like Dennis Lindsay, Justin Zanuck, that front office is excellent. They've done an excellent job drafting over the last few years. Most notably, the guys I mentioned, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. But they got to find somebody, Howard. It's, it might have to be another bench scorer. Right now, they've got Jordan Clarkson soaking up those minutes. Joe Ingles is going to be there. Uh, but they got to find somebody in the next couple of years that turns out to be like a Tyler Hero-level player for them to be a championship team. Because right now, I think they're really good. But really good in the West probably means like fourth at this point. Like the West is so damn good that it's tough to crack that top two or three. I mean, look, the good news is, and, and you said it, this is a really sharp front office. And remember, Rudy Gobert was what, the 27th, I believe, overall pick? And Donovan Mitchell was 13th? And I think yep. in both those in both of those cases they traded for the draft rights for those guys. I think both times involving Denver, <laughs> if I recall correctly. Um, which is <laughs> poor Denver. Which is, no, they, they bounce back. Dude, they bounce back. That, by the way, that is not a knock on Denver at all. Like you can be the team that, that traded the picks that became those guys if you've done all the other things that they have done correct as they have. The Nuggets are great. They're could you fine, could you so. imagine if they didn't do those deals though? Could, like they'd be known as the greatest drafting team ever. <laughs> um, Sorry, continue. But it it, it speaks to the Jazz's ability to identify talent outside of the lottery or in Mitchell's case, late lottery, right? Late lottery in his case, late first round in Rudy Gobert's case. So that that's the good news. You might find another all-star drafting low, um, but that guy then is going to need time to develop too. So they have, a, you know, then they have a timeline issue. Donovan Mitchell's still really young, but you know, Rudy Gobert's mid career. I, 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 I'm going to go back to my, um, the argument I made on behalf of the uh, who were we talking about earlier? I was saying about the the window opening. Um, the, the the Jazz have time on their side, Chris. Like at some point, LeBron will start to ebb again. Maybe someday, possibly, <laughs> eventually, when he's when, when his son's in the league. Um, but it, whenever that, whenever the Lakers start to erode, or if the Clippers never really quite have it pull all together, what if they have another funky chemistry year? So like. And then, you know, so now it's okay. If you're the Jazz, okay, can you also overcome the Nuggets? Well, I don't know. The, the Nuggets are really stacked right now, I feel like. Um, they're, they're in great shape and really deep. But then who else in the, in the West? Okay, Phoenix is coming, but they got to get the most they can out of Chris Paul before he falls off the cliff, age-wise. Uh, the Pelicans are coming, I think, but, you know, to, to, to be seen, yet to be seen. Uh, the Mavericks were the team I was talking about earlier with, with the window. Yeah. So, but there's another young team on the rise. So you may not be looking, it may not be about can the Jazz knock off the LA teams. Maybe it's more about can they, in, with, to the extent that they just extended Rudy Gobert out all these years and Donovan Mitchell's still on the rise, can they do enough things, Chris, to fortify that rotation, keep growing, and be ready to contend as the LA teams maybe start to age out a little bit? Um, and then can you be good enough to deal with Denver? Portland's another team I, I should have put in that, in that conversation because there's this, this whole other tier of teams that, you know, is just waiting for the right break or waiting for one of the, the, the you know, 
powerhouses to, to start to ebb. So, you know, the, the possibility is there. It's also possible they'll just be, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be the new version of Stockton and Malone, you know, which is not a terrible thing. If you become Hall of Famers who, you know, are 50 plus win teams every year and always make the playoffs, they, they could just be a really, really good top tier team for a long, long stretch. And then anytime in that stretch, you know, you, you get things breaking your way, you got a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're basically confirmed really, really good for the next few years, uh, especially with Bogdanovic coming back. They really missed him in the bubble. That was a, a guy that they could have used and probably would have been really useful in that Denver series, which was you know back and forth. Uh, but it's one more piece in my mind, and that piece is going to have to come uh, through the draft. Uh, let me finish, Howard, with this. Aaron Martin asks, can R.J. Barrett win the Most Improved Player Award this year? A couple things I want to say about Barrett right off the top. Number one, I would never vote for him for most improved because I never vote for guys that are drafted third overall for most improved. You are supposed to improve if you're drafted third overall in your second year. That's why I didn't vote for Brandon Ingram for most improved this year. Not that Brandon Ingram isn't worthy of everything that he's received up until this point, but the guy was the number two overall pick in the draft that was pretty good his first few years. I expect guys like that to get better. That's first and foremost. Uh, Second, R.J. Barrett gets a lot of criticism because of the guys drafted above him. Zion Williamson, we know, going to be a star in this league. Ja Morant showed last year he is a star in this league. Those two guys are probably going to compete, be competing for all-star spots for years to come. And everybody's kind of looking at R.J. going, oh man, we got R.J. Barrett. He's the third guy. We really blew it. But if you're the Knicks... Look through that 2019 draft board all the way down. It's not like the Knicks missed out on John Morant. This isn't the case of drafting Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan here. Like this is they didn't miss out on anybody in this slot. You've got DeAndre Hunter drafted after. You've got Darius Garland drafted after. Jared Culver, Kobe White, Jackson Hayes, Rui Hashimura. I mean, you have to go down to Tyler Hero to find a guy that you're pretty sure is going to be a breakout player. You know more than than RJ Hunter is. So. I'm not going to you know, slam the Knicks for this pick because that's the hand they were dealt. Now, Hunter, I think, is always going to be what he was last year. And that's like a 14, 15 point per game score. I think he's got that ability, slashing, athleticism, you know, scoring at the rim, second chance opportunities. He can do all those things. The shooting, I don't know, man. He shot 40% from the floor last year, 32% from three. You expect numbers like that to improve on young players. They always do. And look, I think Tom Thibodeau is a better coach of young players than he gets credit for. I mean, look, Derrick Rose was the youngest MVP ever when he was with Tom Thibodeau. Jimmy Butler turned into Jimmy Butler under Tom Thibodeau in Chicago. Joakim Noah was a young guy. So I think Tibbs is a guy that can unlock more out of R.J. Barrett. I I just don't know when I watch him if that shot's ever going to become consistent. If you can't be a consistent three-point shooter in this league at his position, th- there's a ceiling on you. And and R.J. Barrett will get better, but I'm not sure how much better he's going to get. I mean, it's it's obviously way too soon for us to judge. Um, he's he's really young and tough season. And, and look, um, one of the problems for the Knicks for the last 
however many years running it's been now, they haven't really had a top flight point guard who just puts everybody in their place and makes it easier on everybody. So Barrett was handling the ball way more than he should have last year. Probably he needs to be playing off the ball. He needs other people to be setting him up and, you know, not trying to be playing point forward or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, they're going to open their season with Alfred Payton as point guard. That's fine. Um, there's not a lot of shot creators in the mix on this team. And I just think that that makes it harder on a young guy like Barrett. And, you know, the, you know, Tibbs will figure this out. That's the one thing we know. Like, Tibbs is the first guy to come in in a while here who you know what he's about and what he'll establish from day one. They, they bulked up the development staff. You know, every team always says, oh, we're now, we're now, we're now all about pro, you know, we're all about development now. Um, the Knicks are doing adding that. Pages to, adding pages to the media guide. That's really what it does. <laughs> and chairs behind the bench. But, but, but that's fine. Let, let's, let's see. Let's see what they can do with him. Um, the tools are all there. I don't know, you know, what the ceiling is right now. And, and I think it's too, it's, 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 you know, it's too soon to put a ceiling on him. People around the league are not, don't feel like RJ Barrett has all-star written on him, but that's, that's a bit of a hasty judgment. I think at this point, he's got to improve as a shooter period. And when, and, and the most alarming thing is not even the three point shooting being 32%. Um, it's, it's the fact that his free throw shooting is, is, has been as pa- bad as it was like 61% as a rookie um, that, that usually tracks, right? Like guys who are bad free throw shooters tend to just be bad shooters. And um, that, that to me, you know, is, is a little bit alarming, but could he be most improved? Who knows? We'll see. Like, we'll, we'll see how great a development staff the Knicks actually have now between him and Kevin Knox, who's in a pivotal year, um, yeah. and, and the rest of this young crew. Like, this, this is a, you know, the Knicks did not, to their credit, did not try to, like, fix everything with one quick spending spree in free agency. So it's about the young guys now. Okay, well, it's make or break time for all those young guys. Let's see how much talent is actually there and how much they can get out of them. I wonder, too, like, you know, now that we've kind of spoken about Barrett, like, will Tibbs have the patience to play through the young guy mistakes? I mean, that's that to me is an interesting question because, look, Tibbs was the guy pushing for the Knicks to sign Gordon Hayward this offseason. He wanted that that deal to happen. Gordon was never going to go to New York, but uh, he was, you know, one of the driving forces behind that. Tibbs wants to win one way or the other. And I tell you, I look at that Atlantic division, you're going to see like Boston, Brooklyn, Toronto, Philadelphia, like interchanging all season long. Then you'll see like the Grand Canyon and then you'll see the Knicks right there on the bottom of that division. So I, the patience of Tom Thibodeau may be tested uh, throughout this season, Howard. There's no question, Chris. And that's the thing. Like, you know, yeah, he got to Chicago at, at, at the exact right moment. And that team became great on his watch. And that's partially due to the players and partially due to the front office's drafting. And it's partially due to Tom's coaching. And, the what we know of Tibbs was was two things what he did as the defensive coach for the Celtics when they won the championship and then his first head coaching opportunity in in uh, Chicago which went pretty damn well considering he's you know the, his team was up against the you know the LeBron Heatles for for most of that time but Minnesota was not was was not a glorious experience for Tom Thibodeau and he took over a Minnesota team that had clearly more talent than the Knicks team he just took over young talent but more talent and and two you know two number one overall picks and Wiggins and Towns and some other decent pieces along the way, and he couldn't get them couldn't get them where he wanted them to go, and they were mostly bottom third in defense and defense is supposed to be his calling card, so I, I think there's a lot to be said for you know what we're going to learn about Tibbs this year too. Can he be 
patient with the young guys? Um, has he learned some things along the way? And, you know, are there limits to, to defensive scheme if you just don't have guys who can or want to defend? <laughs> like, I, I've always thought, like, that sometimes we give coaches too much credit on that count. Like, the Bulls were great defensively, but they had guys who wanted to get after. They had Joe Kim Noah. They had Todd Gibson. Like, they had Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler. Like, Tibbs didn't have to motivate those guys to play defense. And that's, again, that's not to downplay his, his scheme or his emphasis on defense, but it is to say that you that the, the players you have matter a ton in that calculation. So uh, this is going to be a different kind of year for, for Tibbs. But the good news is no one's expecting anything. Everybody has the Knicks pegged as one of the bottom teams in the NBA, and they will be. And the only thing he has to do, I think, to uh, inspire some belief among the organization, fans, whoever – just develop these guys. Just just get them moving in the right direction, and 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 show that the Knicks actually have some semblance of a of a young core that they can go forward with, and that is on the rise. Yeah, definitely a developmental year uh, for New York. That uh, if it goes well, who knows? Could be a springboard for uh, the next couple of years. I mean, they're still a team that because of the market, they'll be able to attract for agents, and if they look functional, which is probably the ultimate goal this year. Uh, they could be in good position next summer and beyond. Uh, Howard, always good to catch up, man. Uh, happy holidays. You too. I hope you're, uh, not, I hope you're not having a massive bender at the Beck household. <laughs> hope you're uh, playing it low-key like our medical experts say to do it. And uh, enjoy, man. You too. And yes, we will be uh, laying low, as they say here in Brooklyn. Is that what they say? No, they don't. I just made that up. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.